From CPR News, this is Colorado Matters. National Hispanic Heritage Month is an annual celebration of history, culture, and contributions. But one Colorado school teacher chose to dig deeper, challenging her students with a special assignment. It began with a special table and some note cards. It actually opened my eyes to a lot of the problems that Latinos face when searching for mental health help. What they said and what they learned together just might be something we all can learn from. The students have shared so much with transparency and openness that other students, all of a sudden, you see them just kind of exhale and breathe, and they're like, I'm not alone. Or when they see the statistics, they're like, oh, this is systemic. It's not just me. Support for Colorado Public Radio comes in all shapes and sizes. You might give monthly as an Evergreen member or contribute during fund drives. Maybe you donated your car or gave a gift of stock. For all the ways you support CPR, thank you so much. Your generosity is deeply appreciated. Thank you for bringing trustworthy news and timeless music to listeners across Colorado. Explore all the ways to give at CPR.org. Click on Support CPR. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Chandra Thomas-Whitfield. This is National Hispanic Heritage Month. It's an annual opportunity to celebrate the history, culture, and contributions of those from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central and South America. But it can also be a chance to pause and reflect on the unique challenges and issues they often face including with mental health. High school history teacher Janet Damon recently challenged her students with a unique class assignment. And what she learned from and with her students was quite eye-opening. I met up with her and students Alex Martinez and Jesus Vargas. So tell us, where are we? Yes, so we are in Delta High School, which is located in George Washington High School. And it is a high school for students who are sometimes working and overcoming some of the barriers to graduation. And they are um, a diverse and very brilliant group of students that I'm working with. And so we're in my history class. And one of the things that we did for our social issues class was to talk about what are the issues that they felt were the most important issues facing uh, many young people in our country in general. And one of the things they said was mental health. And so they got into an inquiry project where they started to research um, what are some of the challenges to mental health. And so we came across a lot of information uh, around Latinx and Latino mental health and black mental health that really gave us pause. And so knowing that Hispanic Heritage Month was approaching, we thought, how can we create an interactive display where we can share the information and statistics that people might not know and disrupt this by also asking people to share their practices for well-being, mental well-being, and mental health as well. So students interviewed folks, they interviewed students, they interviewed teachers, and they really pulled it together in this beautiful display. And from what I understand, you actually ask them to fill out cards Mm -hmm. to express themselves about their own personal mental health challenges and the way they 
personally navigate them. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And so that's what we're kind of seeing here. Um, it's two tables kind of put together, and it has this sort of tiered centerpiece. And then students learned how to make these paper flowers that are used um, a lot in Mexico to just provide mm. that vibrant, beautiful, um, very colorful, colorful display. And then we also have a, um, a special blanket that has like some of the different colors as well that kind of represent the vibrancy of uh, Mexican tradition. And then we have candles, um, similar to how there would be a table, a frenda that would be made to honor ancestors, but this is kind of honoring our collective mental health. So there's candles that are, um, that are sparkling around this uh, display, and then there's um, the students' voices, their cards, and also guests to our classroom have filled out the cards. And so, um, and students from other classes in the school have also filled out cards. And so that's what kind of is the centerpiece in the classroom. Let's talk with the students here. So tell us, what do you remember about this assignment that was given to you by your instructor? I learned a lot about, uh, about different races, about how they're discriminated and how they overcome things. But some, some people don't overcome racism. What about you, Alex? What do you remember about the assignment and how did it make you feel to have this discussion? Um, I remember that we actually learned a lot, like Jesus said, and it actually opened my eyes to a lot of the problems that Latinos face when searching for mental health help. And making the flowers, I don't know, it was kind of fun because I just learned that the colors like represented like fun things in that culture. I got to learn a lot of things about that culture. So this was really um, about mental health, but it also exposed you to Latino culture. Yes, it did. Awesome. Yeah. So um, did you all fill out cards on this table? Yeah, we all did. I actually filled out a card. It said um, to check up on your friends. Because a lot of people, like a lot of people see their friends, they think their friends are doing okay. Their friends are looking perfect, looking fine. They have their life put together, but on the inside they're not doing okay. And a lot of people don't know that. So I just wanted to remind people to check on your friends. And you know, that's something we all could do. I mean, we all yeah. have, like you said, family, friends that we assume they're okay. And then sometimes you get that bad news that they're not yeah. and you're shocked. So exactly. great, great message. Anything you got out of it, Jesus? For my note, it said, sit outside and uh, into nature. You uh, sit outside with nature, that a yes. way to help you decompress and relax? Yes, exactly. Um, but another thing that I wrote is uh, chill, uh, chill with my dog. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a way of me uh, expressing my feelings towards it. Um, sometimes I even talk to it, mm -hmm. if it may sound crazy. Um, but yeah. Instructor Janet, what are some of the statistics that stood out when your students did the research? Right. So it was kind of really eye-opening that when we think about the number of practitioners who can speak Spanish, that's only 5% of all of our therapists, psychologists who can speak Spanish. And then only 7% of our psychologists also have a Latino identity. And mm. so it means that a lot of people not only cannot find a therapist who may speak Spanish, their own mother tongue, but also just 
just finding someone who understands cultural pressures, cultural barriers. And sometimes, you know, as Jesus mentioned, we talked about that intersection of coping and dealing with racism. It also erodes mental health for people of color when they're experiencing microaggressions, when they might be experiencing bias based on their identity. So um, it was really eye-opening for them to see how many people don't get services. And then talking about stigmas, uh, that's one thing that as they did their interviews and they talked to their classmates, they realized there are so many stigmas like one of the students said, you know, my parents didn't even believe that anxiety or depression were real things. They thought mm. that was only another group that experienced that, that our culture, we don't have those things of anxiety and depression. And, you know, and some people talked about, like, if you even talk about mental health, other people will shun you. They won't, they'll think there's something wrong with you and that they might in turn have something wrong with them if they're associating with you. So these were things that we unraveled because their questions were so powerful as they interviewed folks. Hey, Suze, is there anything that you learned, um, especially talking about culture and how it plays a role in all of this? I learned that most races don't get the same therapy as other races. I think this is because most races, they feel ashamed of expressing or feeling that feeling, you know? Alex, anything stood out for you? Yeah, I feel like I learned that in a lot of cultures, especially my culture, which is African-American culture, mm -hmm. a lot of people have, like, beliefs that mental health is made up or it's, it's just something that should be shunned and it's something that shouldn't be, like, paid attention to. And a lot of people just don't get the help that they need because of that. What solutions have come up for you to, you know, help yourself and other young people struggling mm. with mental health issues? Personally, I am very grateful and I have a supportive family that will actually help me get the help that I need and I can talk to them. But to help others around me, I can, I'm always here to help. Like, I can always talk to people and offer support. Anything that you've learned, Jesus, in terms of how going forward you will manage this differently? I will try to speak with my peers um, or friends, try to make them express themselves, mm. um, try to make them be themselves in front of me. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Everybody belongs in the society. Well, let's walk around the table. Let's see some of the things that were mentioned in this class discussion and project. There are note cards sprinkled around this colorful table, and some of the students and some of the visitors to this classroom have shared how they deal with mental health challenges, stress, and depression, and anxiety, and, and those types of things. So maybe we can read a few. Uh, a student said, I've always just take the time to think and breathe. I tell myself I am grateful. It could always be worse. There are always people having way more hardships and unfortunate situations. Yes, what you're going through matters, and it might be bad, but it could be, uh, always be worse. And that's really interesting, um, Instructor Janet, because as you've said, these students here at this school, they, they do have challenges. Mm -hmm. Can mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah. So um, Delta is a school that really offers a lot of supports for students who might be working full time and going to school, or they might have um, family members that are, you know, experiencing housing insecurity or what have you. So there's a lot of different things that may come up, but it's a school where students really care for one another. So they have Mm -hmm. a lot of compassion because they know that it's not easy. And so it's one of the schools that I have really witness the kind of collective and community care from teachers to students, from students to each other. I would say that um, it's a really wise group of students. And I'll give you an example from this card, this student. Journaling, setting affirmations and goals, taking walks, being on my phone sometimes, having alone time, listening to music, shopping, doing my skincare, playing <laughs> games, talking to my best friends, <laughs> watching documentaries, reading wow. um, articles, and doing um, art. And so, are you uh, sure I didn't fill that card out? <laughs> and so, for students to be able to see what each other is writing. Um, And then another student, I take care of my mental wellness by keeping my house and room clean, by doing at-home pedicures and painting my toes, riding with my dad to the job for a nice ride and a change of scenery, organizing and rearranging my room. So this is a student who has a parent who does long uh, distance truck driving. And so for this student, being able to sit alongside their dad and have those talks, even though he's working, is like a way for them to get that support. And so, I don't know, Alex, if you want to read yours. Um, I have a card that a student wrote. It says, something that I do with my close friends and loved ones is have regular conversations and try to understand each other. If there's miscommunications, we all go our separate ways. <laughs> sorry. But we always try to regroup and fix our situations by communicating. Wow. Yeah. This is cool. I don't know that, I mean, I think back in high school and there's a lot of pressures in general, but as you described, the students have extra challenges that may not be as common for all students, but Mm -hmm. I don't remember any discussion about mental health in that way Mm -hmm. and bringing it back to me thinking about like how to try to find ways to make myself feel better or to relax or to kind of decompress from the challenges of being a young person. Mm -hmm. And you see the students when we have these conversations and the way that the classroom culture, this culture at this school, they're able to share and talk really openly and to get affirmation from one another. And I think that one step of just being able to identify and talk about it. And then we have resources around understanding the vocabulary and having this language to express how we feel and and what are some of the ways that we can self-regulate. And even uh, one thing I think is powerful is that the students have shared so much with transparency and openness that other students, all of a sudden, you see them just kind of exhale and breathe and they're like, I'm not alone. Or when they see the statistics, they're like, oh, this is structural, it's systemic, it's not just me. So I think that's important for students to realize that it's not just their family, it's not just their problem, it's something across the nation where we don't have enough therapists, both of that identities, diverse identities, and also who speak different languages. This brings me to a final point. Um, You all have a mic in front of you, and there's a lot of sentiment that young people don't have a voice. Even the teachers expressed when they were young people, they didn't have a voice. So what is it that you want people to know about young people in your age group and what they think and what they feel and what they're experiencing. Now, obviously, you're not speaking for any specific person, but what is it that you feel like people don't know? I feel like people don't know that a lot of people in my age group, I'm 18 years old, 
we all feel like it's scary being vulnerable mm. and we don't like to share how we feel because we feel like a lot of people are going to maybe use that against us but we need to know that there are a lot of people that are here just to help us and that when people offer help we shouldn't push it away we should all just seek help or if we don't feel like getting help we should all look within self-reflect and help ourselves it's okay to be vulnerable with yourself um, I want uh, my age group or uh, people in specific of any race to know that uh, discrimination is a thing, but mm. that doesn't mean that it's going to hold you back from being yourself, expressing yourself, and every time that you can seek help for your mental issues or illness. Do it. Do it, yeah. Just do it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Jesus Vargas and Alex Martinez are students at Delta High School in Denver. Their teacher is Janet Damon. When we come back, we continue our discussion with some perspective from an Afro-Latina therapist. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. ¿Quiénes somos nosotros? Who are we? I mean, now I feel like a Mexican-American man versus just feeling like a part-time Mexican and a part-time white wannabe guy. I'm May Ortega, and CPR's new podcast, Quién Are We?, is all about being Latinx, Hispanic, Chicana, and the beautiful things that make us who we are. Look for Quién Are We? everywhere you listen. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Chandra Thomas-Whitfield. Today we're talking about mental health and specifically disparities when it comes to Latino representation and access to therapy. Rosina Schroer Santiago is a therapist based in Denver and founder of the Therapists of Color Collaborative, which is working to diversify and break down barriers across Colorado. So the Therapists of Color Collaborative was just kind of my brainchild and looking at my graduate and postgraduate experience and looking around as a mental health provider and not finding myself represented in spaces. And so I came upon an opportunity, which was my very first grant that I won, that basically uh, challenged me to create a network of providers, representative providers, and what that might look like if we reimagined delivering victim services. And so I was really grateful I had a network of clinicians of color that I could reach out to that believed in my big hairy brain idea. And we started with, you know, a dozen clinicians and today we're tipping over 40. And this was just since 2019. And so it's a collaborative and we're basically a community-centered social enterprise. And so we do every bit of work that what a nonprofit would, but under a for-profit umbrella. And so not only is it creating accessible mental health for our community, but it's also creating pay equity for mental health clinicians where they're getting fair pay and compensation for the services they're delivering. Let's talk a little bit about the challenges you feel specifically relate to Latinos and the Latino community accessing mental health support. Yeah, you know, as an Afro-Latina, I'm on both sides of that 
all the time, you know, and I'm also uh, bilingual. And so when you think about just like the concerns, just broadly Latino, Latina, Latinx community face, you know, the biggest thing is representation, right? We don't see ourselves represented in the spaces and places we go to to receive our care. And so when we think of like what that does when you're not seeing a provider that looks like you, it actually impacts the way that you look at and seek the services that contribute to your overall well-being. I mean, this contributes to how we change our social determinants of health, like how are we caring for ourselves? And so, you know, I think the unique thing more specifically when it comes to like being Afro-Latina and bilingual and like what that work is in my community, like I think for me, delivering services in Spanish, it, it just doesn't translate, right? Like the jargon, the lingo that we have to use isn't necessarily like just general communication Spanish, right? Like it's very formal and, you know, and also derived from like Castellano Spanish, which is a more proper Spanish. And so there's lots of, I think, barriers when it comes to certain ways in which just like as a bicultural, bilingual community, you know, our community is faced with, you know, having to find somebody who not only understands like Latin America and all the different cultures and dialects, you know, I, as Mexican, right, I might be sitting across the room from someone who's Puerto Rican and linguistically, right, there are certain language and, and words that we're using. And so it just, it creates a certain layer when you're thinking about like how important representation is in this space um, and, and what it does to allow you to come into a space where you can receive a service and maybe we don't share the same exact culture, but you can receive a service from someone who has similarities, right? Cultural similarities, or maybe even just a broader, just like perspective and can connect with you and understanding like our big families get together and have lots of food or whatever our respective traditions, right? Like there are certain things we communally share when it comes to that. So it's been awesome, I think, for me as a clinician of color to sit in a space where I can provide a space for my community to see themselves represented and so that they understand what the possibilities of healing can look like. What do you think it means to the clients, particularly the clients of color, to see someone that more closely resembles them or their family and also the culture that they come from? Yeah, I mean, it does so much. It removes that stigma of having to explain what's wrong with you, right? And I think it really just creates a platform and a foundation for you to just come in where you are. You no longer have to explain culturally where you're from or culturally what your family does. You're stepping into a space where somebody just kind of inherently and innately gets it because they look like you. And you can see yourself like, wow, like I don't have to explain something or I am not being phenomenalized or tokenized in a way that's taking away from my experience, you know, because I know in my own therapy, I absolutely sat across the room from a clinician who didn't look like me. And, you know, when I'm telling them my own story, just like their mouth just popped open and looking at me and I'm like, who's in therapy here? Like me or you? Like, are you here helping me? Or are you just like sitting there like, oh my God, how did you get through that? And so when you can sit across the room from somebody who's not doing that to you, 
it gives you permission to just be where you are and start that journey to healing. And I think that is so important. And I'm really grateful for the time that we're in right now in the world because, you know, I know a lot has happened and culturally we're hurting and we're we're finally talking about like generational traumas and, you know, just broadly in all of our communities and cross-culturally we're moving past the, the myth of not being able to talk to somebody, but we're actually saying like therapy is okay and we're 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 engaging in therapy in the ways that we just never have and so covid has done a whole lot for it right it made people sit by themselves but it also said i'm recognizing that things that are happening aren't right and aren't things that i want to sit with so I want to do something about it. And so there's been a lot of people coming in on their own and breaking that cycle of not getting help. Describe for us, especially for someone who may not be familiar, what are some of the unique challenges that you feel specifically relates to diverse cultures, including the Latino community? Culturally, right? Culturally, it just hasn't been okay to talk about our problems outside of our home, right? Culturally, we, we've sat in a lot of spaces where it's like what happens in our home stays in our home. And so I think what's happening just broadly, you know, demographically, you know, we have this demographic that's like 18 to like 28, roughly, that's probably our highest trending demographic, which are our young adults, right, um, that are trending into therapy because they're changing culturally the way things have always been done and they're kind of formulating their own ideas and formulating like I can have these things and also have this too and I think you know it also comes into like our religiosity and our faith right like spiritually a lot of us have grown up in homes where we've been told to pray about it and and you know and do that and it's like you can have that and a therapist too you know we've been given kind of this gift per se to have the luxury of education, to be able to develop and give this gift. And and more specifically, when I think of the work in my collaborative, I tell my clinicians, like, we're twice gifted, right? We've had the luxury and also the opportunity to get this master's level education. And we have a social responsibility to turn around and give this back to our community. Because if we don't, then who will? What is the picture in Colorado? What sense have you gotten in terms of the diversity of therapists here in the Rocky Mountain State? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, when I think of how many, like, I'm getting within the collaborative with having, like, a network of over 40, right? We're a pretty large network. However, many of us exist in silos, right? So if we're not at an agency where most of us are driven post-grad school, we're driven into agencies. So when, you, when we look at that, like, we're such a small percentage. And when we're not geared towards doing something like a private practice and you exist in an agency, you're often not doing the work that you want to do because you're put in spaces and places where you're somewhat exploited because you're the only one who looks like the most difficult client. And so you're oftentimes like most clinicians in those spaces that identify as persons of color are burnt out because they get the hardest caseloads. They get the most caseloads. They have the hardest things that they have to do. And it's just personally, it's so unfair what happens to us as clinicians of color because we come into this field really wanting to do a good work. And if we don't have the communal support, I think professional support and representative support, 
a lot of us don't often have thriving practices, you know, and I think now with the body of work that's happening, a lot of us that are starting, which is still a small percentage, right? It's still only 17% of everybody here in Colorado is a clinician of color. So it's still a relatively small number, but it's so hard for us to find representative spaces. As we wrap up, final thoughts, final words that you want people to know about this work and the importance of it, the value of it. Yeah, mental health, right? Mental health is, it's our most foundational structure, just like we focus on how our exterior appearance looks. Your exterior appearance isn't going to stay together if your mental isn't together. And so if something is not right, you don't feel good, and it's creating some dysfunction in your life, it is okay to change the way that you're talking about it. It's okay to ask for help. And there are folks that look like you, like, don't give up because you're having some difficulty. Because quite honestly, that's what most of us do. We retreat when we have a little struggle. So don't retreat. Don't give up. Lean on community community. There's so many community resources out there. And it's time for us to get back to what we innately did as communities of color. We did things in community, right? So getting back to those just uh, cultural grassroots things that we used to do. Rosina, thank you. Thank you so much, Chandra. Rosina Shroer Santiago is a therapist based in Denver and founder of the Therapist of Color Collaborative, which has a network of diverse therapists across the state. I'm Chandra Thomas-Whitfield. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC.